0: They both come in giftable boxes with savings up to $46 and free shipping for a limited time. Go to
1: OSEAMalibu.com and use code MOM for 10% off your first order site-wide.
0: Hello and welcome to another edition of the Forza Napoli podcast. This is a podcast all about Napoli, of course, but you don't have to be a Napoli fan to enjoy it. If you're a Serie A fan, if you're a football fan, looking for the inside scoop on all things Napoli, this is the place to be. I'm your host, Joe Fischetti. Thank you, as always, for listening. On today's episode, we are going to profile Nathan Bernardo de Souza, And I am joined by a guest to help me out with that. He is an expert on Brazilian football. Peter Pankowski, welcome to Forza Napoli.
1: Thanks for having me, Joe. It's a pleasure to be here. Really, really honored.
0: No, it's a pleasure to have you on. I think Napoli fans are very excited about this signing, in part because this was the big question mark for Napoli throughout the summer. We all kind of knew that Kim Min-J was about to head out the door. We knew about the release cause in his contract. For a while, it seemed like he was going to go to Manchester United. He ended up going to Bayern Munich and since then everyone's been dying to know who's going to be the Kim replacement and we were linked to any central defender you can think about there was literally probably 30 or 40 names going around in the Italian media Napoli eventually finally signed Nathan. that time so you know we want to talk a little bit about him what his style is where he came from before we even do that though Why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself and just your background and your passion for Brazilian football?
1: Yeah, so I work at a company, a London-based company called Football Radar. So basically my passion for football has been there since like five years old. I've I've been playing, training, ex-youth, all that. And I think I wouldn't delve too much into that. Other than that, for... Brazilian football, so initially when I first joined the firm, so that was in 2018, sorry 2017, I didn't exactly have a passion for South American football, like I've always loved it because Balkan style, because I'm from Bulgaria, Plovdiv based, because I'm Balkan, they have like this, a bit like the Tifosi when it comes to Italian football, they're very passionate, and South America in general has always been very passionate in itself for football culture, so... There is that, so I've always wanted to to delve into it a little bit more because my first actually real football throwback memory comes when Ronaldo Nazario de Lima was scoring those two winners against Germany in the 2002 World Cup. That was like the first real football memory that I have other than probably maybe getting and watching David Beckham as a youngster for Manchester United. But And I really... Really enjoyed Brazil then and it kind of stuck with me since a kid, but I wasn't, there's no way to actually watch Brazil Serie A over here in in general South American football. So that toned down a bit over the years. I'm a Chelsea fan at heart, so it was mainly Premier League for me. I have been watching Serie A. My first actually favourite football was Shevchenko from AC Milan. And when I joined the firm in 2017, I started watching a bit more Brazil because you get you, when you do match analysis, you get thrown a lot of different games at you. And I did try to f- focus myself mostly on Brazil because it, it was of interest to me. Since moving to a different department, which is covering different leagues, I was moved to Italy initially, Serie B, that is, before moving to Brazil in general. And... That's when basically my passion for Brazil came in because I've always wanted to do Brazilian, like the Brazil Serie A, general South America, whatever it is. And as such, my passion for Brazil followed. I started doing the league a bit more advanced, started delving into various different teams, players, doing player profiles, ratings, player breakdowns, any injury news, any news in general that would come out of Brazil. That's where I'd come in, cover them, for my work, and that's basically how it all happened, really. I've I've been on the league for, what, four years now? Both leagues, sorry. So that's Serie A first tier, Serie B second tier. And I've tried to keep as much of the info as I can, well, up to date with as much of the info as I can as possible. I tend to say I have quite a good knowledge of, of the league, and I can give you a bit of a player breakdown for Natan.
0: No, that's perfect. I mean especially for such a young player, I think four years is plenty, right? Like he would have been, he's 22 now, so he would have been 18, uh, sort of just coming into the, the Brazilian top flight, I guess, at that time. I mean, he started out with Flamengo with their U20 team. I think he was only there for one season. He was promoted to the senior club. But he only made 14 appearances over that single season. He spent a lot of time either out of the squad or on the bench, Was that just because he was still young? He was still learning and growing and developing? Or was there some other reason why he didn't play that much for Flamengo's senior team?
1: It's not a case of ability, so that's I'm going to put that out there. It's not a case of ability. It's just Flamengo is, um, I think it was around 2018, 2019, they were still rebuilding. And suddenly they've always been rich. They're one of the biggest supported clubs in Brazil. I think even the biggest, maybe. Top two, especially. So... With that, there always comes expectations. So Flamengo always try and successfully manage to buy a lot of big-name players. You may have noticed um, the current squad consists of guys like Gabriel Boboso. He played for Inter. Yes, it didn't work out, but since returning to Brazil, he's been a massive success. Pedro, who used to be at Fiorentina. Torres ACL, returned to Brazil, has been a massive success. Players like Gio de Arasqueta, Gerson, who used to be at Marseille. Rodrigo Caio, who never actually moved to Europe, but was one of the biggest names coming out when initially breaking through Felipe Luis. Diego, who used to be at Juventus, Werder Bremen as well. Everton Ribeiro. Those are some of the names that consistently start from Flamengo who are really big names. And breaking through those to be a youth player rarely happens unless you really get lucky that either A, you showcase unearthly potential to start or B... You showcase that potential when again you get in some players get injured or suspended or et cetera, et cetera, and you make your mark. So it's not really a case of ability with Nathan. If anything, it's good for him that he left. I can put it at that, because Red Bull Bragantino have a really different approach to recruitment and development.
0: Okay. So it sounds like yeah, probably just the high level as a starting point makes it difficult to get into that starting 11. I mean, maybe there were some benefits from just being around the quality of players that are there, and you can still develop without starting week after week, right, just being around talented players. As you mentioned, he then moved to Red Bull Bragantino. Was it a loan with option to buy? I know it was the first season on loan, and then he was... Yeah, it was initially a loan. Okay. It was initially a loan. And that's sort of where where he broke out, right? He he started there in 2021. He made, I think it's a total of 103 appearances across all competitions. There seems like there's a lot of competitions yeah. in Brazil, which is probably another thing you would watch there. So basically what they have is
1: these so-called regional championships. So every region, you know, there's like states a bit like in the United States, there's a different state. In Brazil, it's the same. So there's the state of Sao Paulo, the state of Salvador, the state of Rio Grande do Sul, and so on and so on. There's different states. Every single state has a championship, and there's different various, like, slightly bigger competitions, like, say, for example, the Copa do Nordeste is a cup which consists of sides that are mostly located in the north region of Brazil. So I wouldn't exactly name sides right now, but, say, Fortaleza, Serra, those competitions start in February. Every single state plays until then. There's mostly, like, consists of group stages, When you pass the group stages, then you get like a tournament competition, like say Champions League, for example, those types of formats, if you could say it like that. And after those finish, the Serie A or Serie B kicks in and every single team respectively starts in the respective competition. It's why basically players like Nathan, like say Angelou Gabriel, who recently moved to Chelsea, and other names, despite being say 18, 19, 20, 21 years of age, they already have numerous senior appearances to the names because they do play in those competitions and they get to play then Serie A or Serie B football.
0: Okay, so you kind of already alluded to it earlier just in terms of the size of the club, but I guess is that what gave him the opportunity, the fact that, he wasn't necessarily playing in, in sort of one of these elite, highest-tier, sort of wealthiest clubs, let's say, in Brazil, but maybe a couple steps down where there wasn't as much competition and that gave him the opportunity to feature more.
1: Uh, the thing with Red Bull is they've copied the model in every single team that they have around the globe, and Brazil is no different. It's a slightly different because Brazil has a bit more heritage. It's more traditional. They don't tend to take well to such clubs, but then again... The Red Bull branding logo initially started off as Red Bull Brazil from the fourth tier. Actually, they tried to get up as Red Bull Brazil into the Serie A. They couldn't, so they ended up buying Bragantino, which got promoted, and as such, they went to the Serie A. They do tend to try and do this recruitment-slash-analysis work where they do a lot of scouting, a lot of background data on the player, and with that, they do sign players. Natan was such, and it was a great pickup because... The way he's developed over the years in a slightly smaller team, but with a more natural approach to European styles of play, be it pressing, we'll, I assume we'll get to that eventually. But that style of play, which can transition to a much bigger European club, that's what they're trying to do. And with such, Nathan was given the tools to develop over time. He's really been performing well. I, I was surprised Flamengo initially let him go, but again, different circumstances, I guess. And he has taken well to Bragantino style, and how to adapt to various different scenarios and different games, different matches, different environments. Because obviously, Bragantino have played in the Libertadores and the Super and uh, the Sudamericana. Apologies, which features a lot of different clubs with a lot of different play styles, obviously, and a lot of different environment. A negative aspect, if I could say it that way.
0: Right. Yeah. I mean the. Opinion towards Red Bull clubs isn't always the, the, the most favorable. You look at you know how fans feel about Leipzig or, or Salzburg, yeah. right? I mean, I think the approach is great in terms of talent development and scouting, but they don't always have the greatest reputation amongst opposition fan bases. One of the concerns with Nathan. You know that was reported very quickly the one thing with italian media i'm sure you're familiar with this is these guys are like all private investigators as soon as a name comes out they're digging up medical files and and all kinds of facts and, and things about players and one of the things that that was raised relatively quickly was some of the injuries he had one was a heart condition that kept him out for about 30 days in 2022 and then during the current season, he missed about seven matches with the cruciate ligament injury. Napoli have had an unusually high number of muscular injuries this summer with largely due to the fact that the coaching staff changed, which meant a whole new training system, and it seems like the players are, are still adapting to that. Is that something for Napoli fans to be concerned about, the potential for injury with Natan? So on the heart issue that was flagged, I think it was a situation where I've noticed
1: it for a couple of players throughout Brazil, obviously, because I covered a lot of like the teams in itself. There's naturally going to be situations where some players are flagged with heart issues, but I've noticed it with three players, Nathan being one, the other being a player at Bahia, the other being a player at Cruzeiro, that they had initially flagged heart problems when doing their usual scans for teams. As a precaution, the player is excluded, and given a 60-day resting schedule. Afterwards, he gets an additional bit of tests. Like, again, I'm not a medical uh, expert. I wouldn't try and discredit any medical personnel that are obviously experts in their area. But I've noticed that when they get excluded, they start gradually trying to return into training and having checkups. And Nathan, Nathan, sorry, it's really called Nathan. He returned to um, to training. I think it was in about thirty to forty-four days, something along those lines. I may be wrong here, but he returned, and again, he had another set of tests, which proved that there was no issue for him to return to training. It was it was a minor problem, maybe something that could always flag up with the heart. Again, us as normal people don't usually tend to have. Regular heart checks, players have to take them to mandatory in order to avoid this thing. So I wouldn't worry in terms of the heart condition. Obviously, God forbid, anything could happen at any moment, but that's just the risks an athlete would take. Yes, he did tear his ACL on the other point that you made. He did tear his ACL, and he's been gradually returning from that. But again, he's really... I wouldn't worry too much about it because it's just his frame. He's a lot... He's big, he's quite aggressive when it comes to challenges, so these things could tend to happen. In 2023 these days, I, as someone who watches a lot of, say, American football, sees a lot of injuries with regards to knees. I think medicine these days is developed to such a way, and science, like sports science, is developed in such a way that you wouldn't see players struggle recovering from the injuries. Whether that affects him muscularly, I think is just down to to management in terms of injuries because obviously when gradually returning from such an injury, you'd want the player to calmly make his way to being 100% and then start featuring regularly rather than rushing him in. So I wouldn't be too worried. But again, injuries tend to happen. I don't think Natan is one player that is struggling with major injury. If anything, it's just Brazil's pitches and their consistent fixture list being as piled up as possible. When you say look it up on transfer and it comes out as he's missed, say, 10 games, you think... Oh my god, like he he's injury prone, he's having issues and so on and so on, but in reality those 10 games could be in the span of a month because of the the calendar year being as it is. So I wouldn't be too worried. Granted, he's managed well and just eased in
0: over time. Okay, that's good to know. I mean, his medicals in Rome at Villa Stuart were something like 5 hours long, so clearly the the club, you know, wanted to do all the proper checks to ensure that you know this was the right investment for them and they signed them so they they must have as well confirmed by the test that they did that everything with the knee and and with the heart is in in good order besides the injuries he's he's had some challenges just sort of in life in general i mean as I imagine is probably not uncommon in in some parts of the country you know he comes from a poor family i mean that's that's a common thing across football right like some of these players become as good as they become, because that was the only way for them to get out of poverty. His brother has a disability. And one story that was reported as well by the Italian media was that in 2019, he had a near-death experience where, I guess, one of the Flamengo training centers, the younger team was staying there, and it was one of the older parts that were supposed to be moved out of it. It caught fire, and he managed to get out of that. Unfortunately, 10 lives were taken, Do you think all of these challenges, both with the injuries and with these difficult life experiences, give him a bit of a chip on his shoulder in terms of just his career in football and and his desire to progress?
1: The thing with Brazilians is they always, like a majority, and I mean a majority, like a big percentage of them, always come from really, really rough backgrounds. So then, as you said, this poverty, they are stricken by a lot of Problems both financially and because of the favelas being a rough place to, to grow up at. I think the only Brazilian that I know that hasn't grown up in such an environment, I think, is Kaká. I'm not entirely certain if I'm lying here or not. Before we get to the fire, you ha- it has to be mentioned that he initially started his career as a left-back because the centre-back position in teams that he occupied at, at Rio Branco was one of the teams that he was initially in his youth career at. And Ponte Preta, they're both... They both had supposedly better players than him in the in the area that he was playing at. And he was actually discouraged to stop football and start working at some job because apparently he was never going to make it. That was what one of his coaches told him. He never actually gave up, which when you consider it, that was before the fire at Flamengo. That was before he was even, I think it was even 16 before he moved to Flamengo. It was at a young age. when When you get told as a kid that you have to give up, naturally when someone big tells you that, it shows a lot of heart and a lot of character for you to say, no, I'm not going to listen to you. I'm going to make it. And it's a testament. It really is a testament to his character, to his mentality, to his desire to improve himself and become better. And the fact that he then went on to trial for one of the biggest teams in the country, if not the biggest, and make it to the senior team is a big fact. The fire in itself, honestly, I don't really remember too much about it these days because it just happened so long ago that I remember it being, when it comes to Brazilian teams, youngsters, they tend to have these big facilities. It's like it's all one big place where the small teams, the small youth squads, like say under 13s, 14s, under 10s, under 11s, and under 17s are all placed in this big, I, I can't quite put the word to it, but it's, it's like it, it's a really, really big hotel or some sort. It's like a training ground for a yeah. youth team so they're different parts but they're all mixed up together so excluding the fire in itself and i'm not this is not me disregarding the the fire that lives lost and rest in peace to all of the people that have lost that have been lost and so on the families being affected condolences to them it's more there's also a lot of bullying a lot of uh big players trying to get over the small players they tend to try and again bully them basically So that's another thing that you as a youngster in Brazil have to overcome consistently. It's basically dog eats dog there. It's not a situation where you get given the best way to... If I can make a comparison to Chelsea, for example, who when you get into the academy and get scholarships and so on, you get put in the best of facilities, you get the best of development and so on. Whereas in Brazil, you get arguably the complete opposite. Obviously, it's not, say, other countries like, say, Singapore or African countries, for example, or so on. But it's it's in a pretty similar level in terms of how bad it is, is, despite it being as big a country as it is. So he's had to deal with a lot of stuff. And when it comes to the fact that you have a fire that sets up 10 of your closest people with which you're training up until recently as yesterday, lose their lives, it's bound to take a mental toll on you. And you still make it through only goes to show that he's probably going to give you 150% each and every single time. And I think it goes to show with his style, with his aggressiveness and how he tends to treat every game.
0: It certainly seems like it's given him sort of a different appreciation just for life in general as well. And the opportunities, even with his comments after he's been injured, and you can see it even in his smile, right? Just like he's he's so grateful that he still has this opportunity to do what he loves and now to make this, you know, a living and something that he can take care of his family with. He showed up in Napoli with a rosary wrapped around his hand. It's too bad actually that Luciano Spalletti is no longer the coach of Napoli because he famously wears a, a rosary around his neck. So I think the two of them would have gotten along. Uh, they would have at least shared that <laughs> in common, but before we get to Nathan's style of play and how he'll be able to replace a player like Kim Min-J. I just wanted to get your thoughts on another Brazilian defender, and you and I have chatted about this offline, and and also I've seen comments from various people online, which is Murillo, who is another player that Napoli were linked to. It seems like they're both highly rated, but from what I can gather, Murillo is probably higher on the ranking between the two. What are your thoughts on him and, and how the two players compare?
1: So initially, Corinthians started a little bit too poor the year, given the squad that they had. It was not ideal, but people expected more of them. And suddenly, they introduced two young players into their senior squad to start regularly. One was Gabriel Muscardo, and the other is uh, Murillo. And with that things snapped in the blink of an eye. Roger Geddes started firing. Their performances were much better because they were able to, with introducing these two young players, they they managed to switch up the style a little bit. They got more aggressive. They started to play more with the ball on the ground rather than be more direct, if you could say that. And Murillo in himself, I think he's just a bit more, when it compares to Natan, I think he's just a bit more polished, if you could say that. Both of them like to play with the ball on their feet, but... One tends to be a lot more aggressive, whereas Murillo is a little bit more calmer. He doesn't tend to go to ground as much. He tries to, as I said, play with the ball at his feet, organize the play. Again, Natan does it in himself. He tries to carry the ball forward. But when you look at Murillo, when it's just a bit a case where I can't say statistically or something like that. When you put him side by side, and if you say you've got one side, you've got Murillo, and the other, you've got uh, Natan, one is a bit more polished in the way he naturally touches the ball, passes it, lays it off. It has the confidence to do those things. Whereas Natan is a bit more aggressive. He's a bit more robust. Nothing too bad in particular because either of them is a really good signing, in my opinion. The Napoli couldn't have went wrong. It's just that Murillo recently burst on the scene. He was probably going to be more expensive. He's a little less experienced. He has a longer deal on him, so he's likely, again, more going to demand more in terms of finances. And if you ask me, I'd probably pick Murillo solely off the fact that I do like my centre-back to be a little more. And again, this is not a tone to intelligence, but it's, when you consider intelligence, it's a bit more the awareness, the positioning in itself be, is more where I side with Murillo rather than the aggressiveness, the decision to go to ground, the decision to throw yourself a bit too much into the game where Natan sits.
0: That's another reason why I wish Spalletti was still at Napoli because he's known as being a developer of talent, and I definitely get the sense that Natan is a bit more raw and and needs that refinement, and that's where the coaching comes in. Do you think part of the reason why Murillo is a bit more refined already is because he plays for Corinthians, which, as I understand, is a bigger club than Bragantino, so he's had sort of a quicker development there than Natan would have had at Bragantino? I wouldn't say that. I just think it's different play styles. Like
1: Natan just has that different profile compared to Murillo. I think, as well, the fact that one is a little bit more younger than the other. And with recent times, we've seen a lot of center backs come in, be demanded to play a lot more with the ball at their feet, be ball progressors, ball carriers as well. Sometimes even being the first line of uh, playmaking in itself because. Again, if you compare it to a lot of the English teams, they do want their centre-backs these days now to to ping long passes, be it vertical, be it uh, to the side, to the wing, and try and play the ball in behind the defence, which is something you usually see from even your centre midfielders. I think that's why Murillo is a bit more polished rather than Natan. It's not a really a case of... The thing with Brazil teams is they do have these his, the history of one being bigger than the other, but then one year, one would be battling for the top three positions and then the other might even be relegated. So it's a financial issue as much as an ability issue.
0: Okay. You mentioned the price tag on Murillo. I think some of the reports I saw were that Corinthians didn't want to let him go for anything less than 20 million euros. So I, I suspect that factored into Napoli's decision-making. I know we paid just under 20 for Kim and he turned out to be amazing, but I think you know, with all due respect to Brazilian football there was probably a bit more comfort knowing that Kim was already playing in a European league rather than uh, you know South America. Speaking of Kim, obviously Natan was brought in to be his replacement. I'm not sure how familiar you are with Kim's game, but he was a very aggressive defender. He had incredible pace for a center back. He was unbelievable in the air. His distribution that you mentioned was excellent for a center back, and he had this great ability to progress the ball. If he didn't have a passing option, he could just carry it forward. I don't think anyone's expecting Natan to be as good as Kim was. I mean, we're talking about Serias A's Defender of the Year last season. But how does Natan fit that profile in terms of his skill set? In terms of aggressiveness, definitely
1: probably similar to him. He wouldn't shy away from a challenge at all. Again, he does tend to go to ground a little bit more than I personally would like. But again, this is personal preference. He's not one to shy away from a challenge. Like, definitely he will jump at the chance to be physical and try and dominate his opponent as much as he can. There's this old, actually, Italian saying that says that your first challenge on an opponent has to be the one that you just show him that he, you put fear into his heart. So that's what he'll do 100%. <laughs> Immediately, like, off the start, that's his first thing, which is something I know Italian fans will adore. In terms of his ball progressing, that's where I think he's a little bit more... I don't want to sound... It to sound in a bad way, but he's a bit more clunky when it comes to carrying the ball. Like you know, when you want your ball carrier to be graceful, to be elegant, to glide past players, he's a bit more where he pushes the ball. If he pushes it too much, he'll rely on his size to get past his opponent because he has just made up so much ground because of his like bigger step that he does tend to look a little bit natural. Like it's not that he doesn't. It's not that he lacks confidence. It's just that when you look at it, you're worrying that he might make a mistake if you understand where I'm going at. That being said, he can still carry the ball. A lot of the work that he does for Bragantino is because he's a natural left-footed centre-back, which is not a lot. There's not a lot of natural left-footed centre-backs these days as much as there are right-footed centre-backs that you would expect him to do so. And as such, he's... He's relied upon to carry the ball a lot at Brugantino. And that's one of the things that I suspect Napoli value in him a lot. Again, physicality is 100% there. Aggressiveness is 100% there. It's just a bit, as you said, he's raw and needs a bit of coaching. But once he gets that, he might turn into another Kim. Not maybe on the same level. Again, this is all hypotheticals. He may turn out to not be as good. He may turn out to be even better. The thing you mentioned that he, that Kim was playing in Europe and is a good thing for Brazil in general is that a lot of the physicality that is in Brazil tends to correlate well with European championships. Again, tactically, he may need his issues. Speed of the game, definitely on a completely different level to Brazil. But in terms of pure physicality, where you would expect one to have time to adjust and put on a few extra pounds or just be a little bit more
0: robust, more physical.
1: That I don't think will be an issue when it comes to translating his game to the Italian Serie A.
0: Last question before we wrap it up. You just mentioned that the style of plays is not dissimilar between Brazilian football and European football. What was the just general style of play at Bragantino for Napoli fans to understand how he'll fit into a specific type of system, you know what formation did they play? did they were they more attacking, defensive, that sort of thing? Uh,
1: they do try to be as attacking as possible. They do try to again copy that Red Bull mentality where you're trying to press high, play with the ball feed high line of defending, and so on. The thing with Red Bull is that initially, initially when they got promoted, they did try to swerve a little bit away from that model because they wanted to stay in this area. So they did have veterans and really a more, slightly more experienced players. Like Natan was one of the younger players that came in, yes, but they had players like Claudinho, like Italo, who were a little bit more experienced. And again, Claudinho did come from a Serie B side, but he was already up, I think he had about 200, 240 appearances to his name. He plays for Zenit. And as such, they were a little bit different. Again, it depends on the manager, but that's where Red Bull's recruitment comes in that... After, I think it was especially since last year, when they crashed out of the Sudamericana, they started shipping off these more experienced players and trying to move into that Red Bull model. And since then, the time has been tasked to develop over time, on-ball ability, carrying ability, passing ability, progressing ability. And I think that these days, he's more of the modern left-footed centre-back than he is more of the of the typical, say, Giorgio Calini style, where they'd like to try and play a little bit more, I wouldn't say park the bus, but a little bit more low lines of defending, try and be compact, be a little bit more stacked in the box rather than expand the sides and try and progress the balls and, and so on and so on.
0: Okay, yeah. I mean, the way you describe him, he sounds like a, a good fit for Italian football. Very aggressive, big, strong, a little clunky with the dribbling, as you said. You know, maybe don't want them doing that too much. But also that system, that high line, that high press, is very, very much the way Napoli play. Our friend Dom from Napoli Talk did a technical tactical analysis video on Natan, and one of the things which I recommend everybody check out. But one of the things that he highlighted, he, he showed sort of the, the heat maps of the average position of play for Bragantino, and it was somewhere around midfield. So it kind of showed that. They tend to play very high up the pitch. And Rudy Garcia, when he was asked about Natan just sort of immediately after his arrival, he also noted that he's a player who's not afraid to play with half the pitch behind him. Again, alluding to that that very high line, high defensive ability. So it sounds like he's going to be a good fit for Napoli. Hopefully, uh, we're all hoping it, it works out because... Obviously, Napoli want to repeat as champions after waiting so long for for this last title. And there's going to be a lot of competition this season. Everyone seems to be making moves. We'll see if that means teams have improved. I mean, Milan have brought in half of a new team. Inter seem like they've definitely improved. Juventus, you can't imagine them doing worse than last season, and they're competing in fewer competitions, So that should make their title contention stronger in Serie A. Peter, any final thoughts on Natan before we wrap up this player profile?
1: You mentioned player comparison and I was actually thinking scraping at the my my mind and, and who can I properly compare him to. I actually don't know. Like he's a bit of himself, really, so I can't really mm-hmm. say there's someone specific. Uh probably maybe if I could compare him more to a premiership centre back, if anything, because uh that's championship I watch as much. Maybe Ibrahimo Konate a little bit, because he's really physical, tall enough. He's won ninety centimeters. I think it was in Natan. He's not as ideal on the ball, as I mentioned. But again, he's serviceable to a pretty good amount. And he's very physical. So I think that's probably where my player comparison lands at. Obviously, left footer, right footer. But again, those are the things.
0: Okay, yeah. So Konate is a player we can go back and start watching all the YouTube videos and and see uh, what to expect. All right, that is all we have time for today, Peter. But thank you so much for taking the time to speak with me today.
1: Yeah, thank you, Joe, as well, for having me. And again,
0: a pleasure to be here, really. Thank you. Thank you. So you can find Peter on Twitter at 23Pankowski. You can find me on Twitter at Joe underscore d 5 And you can find the podcast on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and Patreon at Fort Pod. I will be back next week, hopefully, to cover the friendly against Apollon, Lima, Sol. I'm, you know, I'm not sure if I'll be able to find the stream because they've been impossible to find. The, but even if we can't, you know, there's plenty to talk about. Napoli's mercato has really started to heat up lately. Jens Cayuste seems to be very close to uh, signing a contract with Napoli. He had his medicals on Wednesday, so perhaps we'll profile him. We also seem to be very close to signing Gabri Vega from Salta Vigo, which is... A fantastic player. Sadly, I think that likely means that Piotr Zielinski will be heading to Al- Al-Ali in the Saudi Pro League, so there's plenty to talk about. There's a whole host of other names that we're linked to, and if we don't do more player profiles, then at the very least, we'll either do a Mercato episode or a season preview episode, because the Serie A campaign starts in only eight days from the day of recording this on Thursday. But until then, I'm Joe Fischetti, Forza Napoli Sempre.
1: Network.